Hey, welcome to church. Welcome to Sunday. Welcome to Eastlake. If you are new here or if you've been here for 20 years, we are just ex- as excited to have you and we can't wait to get to know you more and see you flourish in this church family. Who was here last week? Yeah? It was an awesome message from Pastor Chris from C3 Rockingham. He subbed in in the last few days leading up to Sunday and he brought this message about Jeremiah 29.11. He talked about tough faith and resilient hope. But do you know the message in all of that that spoke to me most was that scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29 where it talked about as we see the city thrive, we too, as the church, will thrive also. And that's why as Eastlake, we are sold out for loving on our city and loving our community and seeing the broken find healing, right? Seeing those who are lost find a home and those who are hopeless find hope in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, my name's Josh, and I'm the pastor here at Eastlake. And like I said, if you're new or joining us online, we can't wait to get to know you. We say here at Eastlake that you can belong here even before you believe. Or maybe you're not new to church, but you're new to our church. I also want to say welcome and say we aren't the church that offers everything up on a silver platter. I'm sorry. We're the church that asks you to take a courageous step onto the field Get your hands dirty and be part of the team with us. Welcome to church. Today, we kick off our first collection of talks on the book of Thessalonians. Why did I pick a book that I can hardly pronounce? I don't know. But will you pray with me? Let's do it. Dear Jesus, I pray, God, that you would speak to us this morning. That, Lord, through your word and as we open up your word, God, that you would speak into our hearts as individuals. Lord, I don't know where everyone is at this morning, but, God, you know every hair on their head. So, Lord, use me, use your word to bring life, hope, faith, and love into the hearts of everyone here this morning. In your mighty name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can find this letter, 1 Thessalonians. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. And today we're going to explore chapter 1 and chapter 2. And then next week it'll be chapter 3 and chapter 4. And then Pastor Brom was a little lazy, so in the final week she'll do one chapter all on her own. I'm going to set the scene today and then we're going to dig a little bit deeper. Is that cool? Is everyone ready for a history lesson? Oh, yeah. That's like like me at school. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all, you, for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power. Everyone say power. Power. With the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. 
You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia, I'm going to say. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report of what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Pretty awesome chapter. Well done. You just read a chapter of the Bible. Congratulations. The title for all of those who missed their devotions this week, Sunday isn't enough, even if we are unpacking a chapter at a time. I want to title the message this morning, this idea of fuel for the future. Fuel for the future. I want to give some context at the start of this message, and then we're going to look at chapter one and two. Why do we look at context? Why do we look at the bigger picture? Because I don't know if you've worked it out by now, but the old flip open the Bible and point to a scripture can end you up in some pretty sticky situations. I've done it from here on stage before. Paul, he's the main writer of this letter, and he was once a persecutor of Christians himself. He was the guy that was actually murdering Christians at one point until he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his entire life changed. And he went from being a hater of Christians to a celebrator of them. In fact, he ended up writing most of what we call the New Testament today. The New Testament is just that second half of the Bible that you'll find. And it accounts for a whole heap of firsthand accounts and letters to the church of Jesus' time on earth and the early church's response to him. If you've never opened your Bible this morning, That's okay. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to get you one. Please don't be overwhelmed. I get it. But it's not meant to be read like any other book. Or maybe this morning you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know my Bible. I'm the guy with the tattered Bible and the notes all through it. Every now and then I walk past and kick it so that people would think that I read it even more. I still want to challenge you to open up your hearts to hear what God would have to say to you this morning. You see, the moment that we think we know everything is the moment we stop knowing anything. Isn't that right? So let's open our hearts this morning to what God has to say. And as we look at this letter, it's important to understand the whole message, the bigger picture of the Bible. What story is it telling? And that's probably just the thing. It's less about what story it is telling and more about who it is pointing to. Jesus, our King and our Savior. You see, the story of the Bible, if we fly over it really quickly, is a story of God who created us in His image and with our own free will. And He loves us so much that no matter how far we would drift away from His plan and design for our life, that he would even take a step to make the greatest sacrifices of all as he sent his son to die on a cross for you and I, to enter into our world fully human, fully God with all of the same weaknesses 
and then take upon himself our brokenness and our sin to break the power of sin and darkness in our lives and so that we could have relationship restored with our God. It's the good news. It's the good news that we get excited about. It's the good news that Paul brought to the city of Thessalonica, to the Thessalonians. He brought this message of good news and as he did, he actually got kicked out of the city. It went off with such a bang that the others in the city chased him out of it. You can read about it in the book of Acts. Why? Because they thought that he was defying Caesar. He had disturbed the peace. You see, as he brought this message about Jesus and people began to respond to it, they actually transferred their allegiance, I guess, on the inside of their heart. And people said, no, you are defying Caesar by introducing this new King Jesus. But even against all of this opposition, even against all of the persecution and the pain and the isolation, the church in Thessalonica began to thrive. And as Paul writes this letter that we read today, theologians believe that it was one of the earliest Christian writings, probably about 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And he's writing to a church that's about two years old, a young church. And they'd come to Paul with these questions, questions about Paul himself. As the preacher man that had come into the town, the city began to attack him and say, attack his character and say he had impure motives. But not only that, they were asking Paul and his buddy Timothy and Silas about how they're meant to live this holy life as Jesus followers. They asked questions about how do I deal with persecution and the problems I have in my life. And they also asked questions about Jesus. Like, when's he coming back? What's happening? What's this deal with the second coming of Jesus? And to all of these questions, Paul responds and he writes this letter that we're reading today. And what does he do? He first celebrates how far they had come and where they were. And then he challenges them to go further. Summed up, that's pretty much 1 Thessalonians. He celebrates how far they had come and then he challenges them to go further. So what does it mean for us today? It means we need to learn how to celebrate how far we have come. Even in a year like 2020, a year that generally makes us go, can we press fast forward to 2021? Before we do that, before we jump over it, let's not forget how far we have come. I don't know about you, but at least in the city of Mandra, I've seen our community come together. Not just in the church, but in the wider community. I don't know if you know this, but as COVID hit, our mayor reached out to all of the churches in our city and gathered them together on a weekly basis for a Zoom call to find out where we were at and so that he could share ways that we could help. That would have never happened if it wasn't for the coronavirus. That doesn't happen anywhere. And yet here we are today with a closer relationship with our city and our brothers and sisters and then you, all here today, to be with us. We're going to celebrate how far we have come and where we are at. And then are we meant to let the voices that still shout against us, the pain that we experience, and the fact that some of us are heading into economic crisis, are we supposed to let that stop us and slow us down? Or are we meant to echo 
like the people of Thessalonica, that even amongst all of the isolation, all of the persecution, all of the pain, the overwhelming love of Jesus made it worth it. The overwhelming love of Jesus made it worth it. I want to ask you this morning, is it worth it for you? Is it worth it? Turn to the person next to you and say, is it worth it? I've got giggles over here. Someone said inappropriate. Always Kim Godelman. We read in 1 Thessalonians in verse 2, it says, We always thank, thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God our Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to hone in on these few verses this morning. I want to talk about our work produced by faith, our labor prompted by love and our endurance inspired by hope. Will you go there with me? We're going to look at the first one, your work produced by faith. Their faith, Paul goes on to tell them, was famous, right? We read that in Macedonia and the whole country. It was already famous even as a young church, Christians in Thessalonica, were famous. Why? Because their faith was a true and living faith. Because it was a working faith. If I could tell you anything this morning, it is this, that true faith works. Wherever there is true faith, it works. It has an influence on our heart and on our lives. That word work translated could mean result, means there's actually a result to my faith. And I'm not talking about a ministry, a platform, or a stage, or a women's group. I'm actually talking about you individually, as people. Paul, he personalized it. And he said, the reason that you were famous throughout all of this region is not because of the microphone, or the thing, or the stage, or the whatever. It was because of the way that you turned your life from these idols to the one and true living God. Their faith resulted in something on the inside of their hearts and how they lived their life. So my question to you is, what are you producing? What are you building? Maybe you're new to church and you're like, whoa, <laughs> I don't even have a faith yet. This is the first time I'd ever heard of a place called Thessalonica. That's all good. I'd still ask you, what do you believe in? What has that produced? Or maybe you've been in church for a long time and you're like, I've got a strong, steady faith. That's awesome. But I got to tell you, I don't need the goals that you've kicked on the scoreboard. I need you on the field helping us all play the game now because I don't know if you realized yet, but Jesus isn't back yet. The people of Thessalonica were asking the question, we can get caught waiting as well. We've got to get on the field, playing the game, trafficking hope, following after Jesus, being the local church. What are you building? What are you producing? We thank the Lord for your faith, your work produced 
by faith and your labor prompted by love. Your labor prompted by love. This one kind of sounds the same. Work and labor. We kind of think of them to mean the same thing, but Paul meant two very different things. With work, he was talking about that result of your life, whereas labor, the word literally translated in that time to mean to endure pain, right? As in the labors of birth. They labored for love. Just as a lady would endure the pains of labor in the expectation for her beautiful child to be born, so too the people of Thessalonica endured pain for love. They endured pain for love. Their faith produced a result. Their labor was because of love, prompted by love. You know that word prompted? means led or driven. So my question here is, if the first question is, what are you building? My question here is, what is driving you? What is driving you? What are you building and what is driving you? Is it revenge? Is it power? Is it love? Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. What can I tell you about hope? Wherever there is a well-grounded hope in eternal life, it grows, it shows itself as patience. I'm looking for the first person to watch their watch or walk out of the building. Our hope in eternal life, it shows itself as patience. Romans 8, 25 says, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it, everyone said, patiently. What does patience look like in 2020? When are restrictions going to be lifted? When can I go to a footy match? When can I go to my kids' assembly with all of my family. These things aren't bad, right? I'm not bagging you if you've asked those questions. It's a list of all the questions that I've asked. (laughs) But what if we grasp something deeper? Something that says isolation, no isolation. Virus, no virus. Footy, no footy. Good, bad. I have a confidence, a patience, a hope greater than my here and now. We've said it before from here, if our hope isn't in the things of this world, but in our Father in heaven, then the things of this world can't steal your hope. The people of Thessalonica, they had an endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That word inspired literally means to breathe life into, to awaken. What wakes you up in the morning? What gets you up in the morning? What are you building? What are you producing? What is the result of your faith? What is driving you? Is it love or is it something else? What wakes you up in the morning? Is it hope that I can bring one more person with me into eternity? Or is it that I could be better than the person next to me? These aren't questions I'm answering for you. 
They're questions I want you to reflect on in your own life. Faith, hope, and love. Now, some of you, if you follow me on Facebook or we're friends, then you might know that I asked this question during the week of, does anyone have a treadmill? And if the, the volunteers that I've got today could come and jump up on stage and start getting this set up, I'll tell you about the response that I had. Jokes, ridicule, and criticism. I had about two people say, yeah, I've got a treadmill. How can I help you? Everyone else went, ho, 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 and teased me the entire time because some of you may not know that I went to the gym a couple weeks ago with this man over here, Michael Gray, and ended up spending three days in hospital because of an issue with my muscles. So I thought, how can I use this, right? Like every pastor does. And this has got nothing to do with that trip to the gym, but it does have everything to do with getting Michael on a treadmill and making him run in front of all of you. Well, we're going to have a little bit of fun up here. These are the two treadmills I could get my hands on, matching treadmills. Let's move these out of the way. Are you guys ready for a bit of fun in church? Can we do that? Is that okay? Last time I read, the joy of the Lord was our strength. Amen? Sorry, cameraman. These guys are a bit slow over here. Don't know why it's different to this one. I did not plan this ahead of time to move all this out of the way. But here we are. We're ready. Have we got that paper over there? Love it when a plan takes ages to come together. All right. Let's thank our amazing volunteers. They didn't volunteer. I went around before the service saying, hey, could someone help me out with this illustration? Nobody trusts me. Everyone was like, no, 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 no. Ran away. I literally had a lot of people. So these guys are the ones that I went up and say, hey, you're helping me. You're part of it. We're ready. Do you guys know how to set this up? What you do is you lift it up. Lift it up. Straight over. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, then you pull that down. Give the guys a hand. You all right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. How many guys does it take to bring a treadmill down? We practiced this before. We didn't. All right, let's get these guys set up. Hey, well done. All right. Oh, goodness me. Jack, you're going to be my man on the treadmill over here. And then I'm going to get these guys. Is everyone following me here? These guys are going to represent, I ran out of time for my message, so I'm just trying to fill in 10 minutes here before we, oh, no, I'm kidding. You're going to be Hope. Your mum asked me to get you up on stage and give you that one. And Mel asked me to get you up on stage and be love. Thanks, Paul. All right. So what do I want to illustrate? Are we ready? Yeah. Uh, for, for you just get going. Because I want you to be in pain a little bit before we get to it. That one goes in there. You good? Really, yeah, yeah, up, 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 at least 10. Let's, if you click this button, it goes there really quickly. No, no, that's incline. Yep, that's on. We'll keep that. There we go. There. Easy. Ready? You easy? You good? All right. There we go. There we go. Yep. I'm going to hit that on 12. I think 12's, oh, no, we'll go back to 10. 10. All right, you just get going while we explain the illustration. See, in life, and here we go. It doesn't necessarily matter about the path 
and what it looks like, how glamorous it is. It all matters about the direction. Amen? So you don't need the fancy house. I'm not saying get rid of your fancy house. God has blessed you with a fancy house. That's awesome. I'm just trying to tell you that this matters less than where you are going. Have we got that? So Jack's going to get on and he's going to start competing, I guess. Well, he's not competing because this guy's our Jesus follower. This guy is the enemy. All right? Jack, we, play, we, we kick this one off like that. You can probably go up to just a nice, calm speed of six. Have we got that going up? There we go. Ready? Ready? There we go. The speed is not the purpose of the illustration. The speed is purely for Michael to labor a little bit. We, let's turn him up a little bit more. There we go. Is that all right? You good? He's on the incline. Awesome. Two people can be running a race. That's good, Mike. Keep going, mate. Two people can be running the race of life, as we call it. But what I want to illustrate this morning is this fuel for the future. Mum's telling me to turn him down. I'll put the incline down. He's good. He's going good. Can someone cheer Michael on? Yeah. He's got a girlfriend. It's all good. Um, Two people can be running the same race, but what we choose to build on, what we choose to drive us, what we choose, our inspiration, what gets us up in this morning, in the morning, matters for how far we're going to get and who we're going to bring with us, right? And so for someone like Jack, who's really struggling right now, as a Jesus follower, he chooses to have his work produced by faith. And I don't know if you know this, but faith, hope, and love, they're a person or personified in Jesus. And so Jack, he's got his faith in Jesus. So as he begins to labor a little bit, he can just jump off slightly. And we're going to get Peter this way, mate. We're going to get faith. Faith begins to run for him. He's, <laughs> Michael, he can take a little break for a section. But Michael, he thought knowledge would be the thing that drives him, that, that he builds upon. And so he drops that down. That's a good book. Jump back. But instead, he's back running because he can't run for him. Whereas now, as Jack's just taking his little rest, hope jumps up. Because Jack knows that his endurance is inspired by hope. Michael, he takes another break. And he says, no, it's money that drives me. And so he tries to run with that. But instead... Rip our youth budget. It's futile. And so he's back running again. Over here, Paul... Big love, he jumps on because Jack knows that it is love that is driving him. And so he hops up. We picked the smallest one for the tallest guy. 
Over here, Michael, he thinks that it's success that is the thing that gets him up in this morning. And so, this is my ultra-fast carts only trophy that I've got, first place at Tom Spooner's Bucks party. And he thought that would be the thing that sees him through life. So he jumps off for a second and he goes, no, I'm going to lean on my success. But that doesn't work either, so he jumps back on the treadmill and he keeps running. Over here, Jack's like, no, I can take a little bit more. I'm going to jump on his wall. So love hops off. Jack hops on. He's lasting longer. He's got the energy to bring someone along with him. He can look around and see the others beside him, whereas Michael, he is literally just concentrating on that thing. How fast am I going? How far have I gone? How fast am I going? How far have I gone? He can't see anything else going on the outside of him. And so he steps off again and he thinks it's a platform, a stage that is going to be the thing that will drive him, wake him up in the morning. But instead, it's not that either. And so he jumps back on the treadmill. And Jack's over here. You see, it's faith, it's hope, and it's love that is the fuel for our future. It takes you further. It brings people along with you. It allows you to live above the circumstances. And I wish I had another treadmill that put him just as much pain as this, because the point is not that it's easier. The point that is not that you don't have to do the work. You don't have to labor. There isn't a need for endurance. That's not the point. The point is that there's someone there, faith, hope, and love, cheering him on, pushing him further, saying, I can take the wheel. Let, hold me up. Just trust me. Just trust me. And it takes us further than we could ever go on our own. You're done, my friend. You're done, Jack. Thank you, friends. How you feeling? Don't need a trip to the... Emergency department? No? Okay. Oh, good. Oh, what a letdown. Do you need a hand lifting this stuff? <laughs> he said, do you need a hand lifting this stuff? Yeah, right. I'm going to pull all that apart before someone else trips over it, and then I'm going to go grab my notes. Thanks, guys. Give them a cheer as they head off stage. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's power. For some people, it's success. For some people, it's being better than the person next to you. For some people, it's their family. And my point here is that good or bad, whatever is taking over from faith, hope, and love in your life is only going to slow you down in the long run. The fuel for your future is faith, hope, and love. The reason the people of Thessalonica were being celebrated was that they didn't just respond to the message Paul brought, the good news about Jesus. One theologian wrote this as a band come up and get ready. The gospel came to them, the people of Thessalonica, not in word only, but in power. They not only heard the sound of it, but submitted to the power of it. It did not merely tickle the ear and please the fancy, not merely fill their heads with notions and amuse their minds for a while, but it affected their hearts. A divine power went along with it for convincing their consciences and amending their lives. 
By this way, we may know our election. He means by this way, we know that we are chosen by God if we not only speak of the things of God as parrots, but feel the influence of these things in our hearts, mortifying our lusts, weaning us from the world and raising us up to heavenly things. This life is not about what. It's all about who. And his name is Jesus. And Paul, as he continued from chapter, give, give Jesus a hand. Amen. Paul, as he goes into chapter two, he begins to start responding in the first three quarters of that to these attacks on his own character. And he unpacks why he did what he did and what was driving him, what was getting him up, the motivation behind everything that he did. And then he comes to the final few verses in chapter two. And it says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Verse 19, for what is our hope, our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you. Verse 20, indeed, you are our glory and our joy. You are our glory and our joy. It's the words of our Father that would endure the cross, Jesus, His Son, for the hope set before Him. You, relationship with God. You are His hope and His glory. It comes from as you choose to place your trust in Him, to declare that I'm going to build my life upon a foundation of faith in Jesus. That I'm going to choose to be led by love. That question of what does love require of me? It's not an easy question to ask of yourself. What does love require of me in this circumstance, in this situation? And are we going to choose to get up in the morning for the hope that we could win one more, that we could bring one more with us, that we could maybe in that day, we'd be able to encourage someone, that we'd be able to share that love that we have with someone else. Faith, hope, and love is the fuel for your future. It's an eternal fuel, not a futile fuel, not one you need to go to the pump and fill up the car with and pay $2.50 or whatever it is a litre. It's a free gift of grace from our Father in heaven for you. Jesus came with a message that wasn't behave and be saved. It was believe and receive the power, the grace the joy, the faith, the hope, and the love that would see your life transformed from the inside out. You can be famous, church. Not with a stage, not with a building, but in the way that you live your life personally throughout this week. And so I challenge you to wake up each morning and ask those three questions of yourself. Do a faith, hope, and love check and let it drive you into that day. Can we do that together? 
As we stand to our feet, I want to give an opportunity for anyone who wants to respond to the call and the invitation of Jesus into their life. Jesus, when he came onto the earth, John, one of his followers, would write about him that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. But in verse 17, he goes on to say, for Jesus came into the world, for God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save it through him. Bible tells us that if we confess in our hearts, confess with our mouth, believe in our hearts that He is Lord, we will be saved. Saved from living a life of futility, a life constantly grasping at things that seem to fall and shift underneath our feet and placed on a rock of faith, hope, and love. So if you want to respond to that, I'd love to pray with you in this moment. All you got to do is reach up your hand as we bow our heads and close our eyes. Just lift up your hand so that I can see, so that I can pray that prayer with you. And we're going to pray it along together as a church. If you're watching online, I'd love you to just put your hand on your heart to make that decision. And we've got links and stuff like that to go on this journey with you. Is there anyone out there that wants to make that decision here today? Can we pray together with everyone? If you didn't put your hand up, that's all cool. Pray with us now. We're going to pray with our online audience as well. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I want to follow you. Forgive me, Jesus. Come into my heart. I place my faith my hope and my love in you. In Jesus' name, amen.